Salutation Shades, and welcome back to your one-stop shop for all things strange and unusual, talking with shadows. The conversation everyone has, that no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Whaley. And Marcus D. And a big shout-out to Big Bang Mongolian Barbecue, which we just destroyed before <laughs> recording this episode. Did you just say we just destroyed? We did, man. We did. Did you go back to college and join a frat? I did, man. <laughs> I'm wearing my hat backwards, my shades. Uh, Going to chug down some natty I, ice. I, well, you know, today we're we're today we're drinking Coors Light. Today it's, it's, it's giving me throwback to our college <laughs> days. So but I'm yes, like, if you guys are around Evansville or anywhere in Indiana, try Big Bang uh, Mongolian Grill. It's really freaking good. I know we've talked about it on the channel before. Still not sponsored by them. No, but absolutely love the place. It's, it's one of the, the best place about that, or one of the best things about that place is literally they always say the customer is always right. Not there. <laughs> you know, if you start building your Mongolian like order like a uh, grill order like wrong, he'll be like, no, 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 no. This isn't what you want. This is what you want. He'll just start making your plate for you. And you think it's going to be off-putting, but the guy's so damn funny and charming. You, you just love it. He's Charlie's right. a great yeah. guy. Like, and, and he's right. And you see, you go, wow. Apparently, the customer isn't always right. He knows what he, he knows what's good for us. <laughs> okay, let's bust into some, to this Coors Light. I know we're we're going old school today. Well, I didn't think to buy beer, but Ellie's dad's in town, right. and he brought a whole bunch of Coors Light with mm. him. And I'm like, "Well, we got this." I mean, it's I mean, it's good. I like. I mean, I've always liked Coors Light. Oh yeah, I, I, Coors Light. As far as like the domestic or not domestic, but like the very like base, like you just want to buy a bunch of beers, but you don't want to spend a bunch of money. Mm. Coors Light's a good one to pick. I remember when we were in college, and Coors Light would be one of the beers when we would splurge. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we would buy because <laughs> we were poor, like insanely poor. Yeah, and we would get drunk on Bush Light. Like that's what that's typically uh, what we would end up drinking. We wanted to like show a little bit more money. We we would end up going for Coors. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, what was wrong with us? Uh, we were poor. I think that was the problem. So it was it was it was a lot of Bush Light and Mad Dog Twenty Twenty is what we were. Which I do. The, we should drink. Uh, sorry. Mad Dog 2020 would be probably the ultimate throwback drink for us to drink um, oh, during the podcast. You're not going to recommend us drink that, are you? There would no. There would just be no episode oh, after that. There would just there would be no next episode because it would probably kill us after we drank. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. I think if I have any more of those, it's just going to kill me. It's 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 like tasting antifreeze. Like it's like the the old old episode of Simpsons where Bart goes to France and they mix antifreeze in with the wine. <laughs> Like, if they didn't get caught, that's Mad Dog 2020 <laughs> of, of what it tastes like to drink that. You know that actually happened, right? Well, where people would mix antifreeze and that's the that's how I, we got Mad Dog 2020? In, no, they're mixing antifreeze and other things like that to kind of stretch the wine. I think it happened in Australia, though, but I'm not 100% sure. I watched like a year ago and video on it on down the rabbit hole. I 100% believe that that would be how, like, that, that people would actually do that. If you've ever tasted Mad Dog 2020, I think that's what's still going on. That's what happens when you, you like you'll get. That's how you can get drunk off like a dollar twenty five. But uh, we're continuing our month long talk where we're talking about haunted towns. So we hope you guys had a good uh, holiday weekend. That's why this one's coming out a couple days a little bit later because we were enjoying Thanksgiving. Yep. Uh, so we got two episodes. 
uh, to kind of do some comments over. The uh, the first one was our episode where we talked about Dogtown, uh, like the haunted part of Evansville, which most people in Evansville don't know about, and even those that do don't know how haunted it is. That's so, our little secret. Yeah. Uh, so Izzy28 said, I've been wanting to explore abandoned ghost towns for a while. This one is really interesting, giving me that Silent Hills vibe. Yeah, a little bit of foreshadowing there, yeah, too. Yeah, drive through <laughs> drive through that, uh, drive through Dogtown. You will absolutely get a Silent Hill vibe, too, driving down there. If you guys ever want to check out a abandoned ghost town and you want, like, kind of a really safe one to start out on, out on um, Old Leavenworth. Like oh, yeah. the, the people there will help you find the places. The police will come down and check on you. But then when you explain <laughs> what you're doing, they're like, oh, yeah. And they'll start telling you stories. It's like the exact opposite of Dogtown. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> super, super friendly there. Nobody friends. Oh, you're looking for the old haunted uh, Lock and Dam building. Yeah, it's right down that way. No problem. <laughs> Cops will drive up. What are you doing? Oh, you're ghost hunters. How are you doing, buddy? <laughs> it's just, it was the most bizarre experience that we've ever had doing it. Definitely not a shrine town. No, it's, it's, it's not. They're very welcoming there. Uh, Laughing Fox said, I remember the time that I went down with y'all there, yep. down there. Uh, I'm nowhere near as sensitive as some, and I could even feel that whole area just felt off. Uh, then Ellie got that headache before we got stuck in what seemed like a spatial temporal anomaly where we drove past the same bunker-looking thing twice Yep. <laughs> after like 20 minutes of driving the same road. That was a weird trip. I can't believe I'd almost forgotten about that. Yeah, that was. I've had a lot of very strange adventures in Dogtown where you'll pass like the same landmark twice in a row, and it's very odd. <laughs> the whole place is just very weird. Uh, right. Uh, hey guys, so glad we're getting a whole. Oh, sorry, Jay the Phoenix said, "Hey guys, we're getting. Uh, so glad we're getting a whole month of weird towns. It's a topic I don't see touched on a whole lot." PA has Centralia, a.k.a. the town that inspired Silent Hill and today's episode. Not sure if it's weird as tragic, though. Uh, we'll get into that here in a little bit, though. I, I tweeted the video of the cave monster to you also. Thank you very much, Jay the Phoenix. We did get that. Now to go on to Patreon and join Team Birds. Wow, you were doing so well there, Jay. <laughs> awesome. Right up until the awesome. very end. I'm we're going to win it, man. We're going to win it. I'm going to go ahead and thumbs down nope. that comment. Nope. nope. Put a me. big old smiley face. And then Hard it for Vic. Oh my God, you're such <laughs> so dork. You should get a notification exactly whenever this episode is being recorded, <laughs> just so you know when that happened. Oh my God. Whenever I just read that. So, uh, you can't thumbs down a patron. <laughs> I just did. I, I gave it a heart for you. So in the end, I think that means that this evens out. Uh, T Matchless Mystic said, that's awesome. So many things that we can miss because we're enclosed in our own little world. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but this makes me want to take my car and explore everywhere here. Heck, yeah, that is a great idea. It was, man. Like, I think, you know, whenever that Randonautica app uh, came out, for that would literally just give you a random place to, like, you know, if you thought of something in your head and it would just drive you to a random abandoned place, like, in your town. I think a lot of people had a lot of paranormal experiences doing that. So I would say almost everyone's about... Probably within an hour drive of some really neat place to check out. Okay, uh, Mary Gray, uh, Grace said, "Sorry, Marcus. I would love to hear about Thunderbirds." Heck yeah! Thumbs down. <laughs> Give her a heart too. <laughs> well, Oregon Trail, good one, Laughing Fox. That was very good, Laughing Fox. Uh, and the last one, and I will give you the heart because Vic made me do it. Just Damn so you know, straight. He made me do it. Um. 
<laughs> Next month, Marcus has a heart attack. I will have a market. I may call on for like the entire month of uh, nope. uh, the entire month of December because that may be nope. what we're probably going to be doing. But Nighthawk said, "I'm sorry, Marcus. I voted for space time monopolies. I tried, buddy, and I commented that's why you're my hero, Nighthawk. Good <laughs> for you. Good for good for you, sir. I do have some good stuff for space and time anomalies, but I'm excited for what I think we're going to be doing." Uh, all right, over here on the patron side of things, Sky C said, uh, original patron, I do believe, by the way. Ooh. Number one, OG, said it was great to have an episode dedicated to a town that you guys are so close to. Also, sorry, Marcus, I was a couple of videos behind when I voted for the birds and forgot your phobia. Thank you for the sympathy there. Very excited to learn about cryptids of the sky. Oh, yeah. All right, Dan Ward, super patron, said, can't wait for the Thunderbirds episode. It's going to be Thunderbirds, man. Everyone's pulling for it. Kyle right behind him said, you guys should definitely do Thunderbirds. Oh, it's coming. Man. Can you hear the lightning crack? Can you hear the thunder boom? That's it. It's happening. God. There's no weaseling out of it at this point. Uh, our last episode that we did, moving on, on our last episode that we did, we had the awesome Trevor, uh, Trevor, Travis and Ricky from uh, the nightclub podcast where we talked about strange stories from down in Louisiana. Great group, of great podcast. You should absolutely go check them out. We got Dan Ward said, uh, Artois is the best way I can show you how to say it phonetically. Cause we were having a long argument on how to pronounce Stella Artois, Artois. Uh, Dan Ward said, I would love to have a month long on ancient civilizations. That would actually be a really cool one idea. We actually do need to throw a new thing on there. Do we already have something we're going to put on? I don't think we have anything that's up yet. Let's do it. Ancient Civilizations is probably is going to go up on our next month's uh, thing. We've got a couple days till the till it's wrapped up. And just a reminder, I'm not trying to suggest anything to our patrons. Uh, you still can change your vote. Nope. Uh, by the they way, for locked. all of you that voted uh, locked in. for Thunderbirds of the Sky. They are set. You can still, there is still time to save yourselves. Nope. Zeno Smith says, I'm sorry, guys, I've been away for a while. Just finished listening to y'all's 401 episodes, and I have to say I really liked those episodes. I love how y'all focus on the more lesser-known aspects of Missing 401, such as the Fae, etc. Glad to see the show is getting better. Thanks for the great episodes. P.S. Would you ever consider doing an episode on the Beast of Morbach? I find that to be a very inter- uh, in- very interesting case involving a dogman or a werewolf. I don't think I know this one offhand. I don't think that I know one either. So this is going to be a good thing for us to look into to see if we want to do an episode on that. Thank you for the suggestion, Zeno Smith. You know what? We could probably do a new One Candle TV. I do. That's a good idea. For those of you who don't know, those are the ones we do just for the patrons Patrons, and special episodes and stuff. That sounds like a very fun thing for us to do during the month of December. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you have not checked out our episode... Uh, on Bayou Boogeyman with the Nightclub Podcast. Absolutely go check it out. It's an absolutely fantastic episode. So, all right, moving on to today's episode, we are going to be talking about Centralia, Pennsylvania. The flat-out inspiration for things like Silent Hill, and I believe it's probably influenced a great deal even more than that in the horror genre, is a place where the ground is literally burning, falling in, smoke rising up out of the ground, it's definitely a creepy place, mm-hmm. but everyone wants to know, is it actually haunted? Is this an actual paranormal hotspot? Mm-hmm. So how much do we want to focus on the the fire itself, or do we want to, or do we want, do we want to dive into how that started? Like do you history? have like a brief history? Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's so, jump into there so okay. everyone's caught up. So if you're not familiar with uh, Centralia, Pennsylvania, 
it's it's a fan it's a fantastic uh, it's a fantastic tragic story. I mean, it really is a, a tragedy of a, of a small town group of people that are forced yeah. to just leave their town um, from it. But Centralia, Illinois, started as a coal mining uh, coal mining city uh, in the late nineteenth century, and uh, in May on May twenty seventh, nineteen sixty two. Uh, they had decided to set fire to the dump in the town uh, to do a controlled burn at this dump uh, next to the cemetery. And they had done this before. They they do this whenever the trash is getting too high so it doesn't smell. It's a way of getting rid of a lot of the uh, the excess dump that they have there and the, the uh, and excess waste. What happened was, though, when they started the controlled fire, a few days later, they noticed that it was still burning. And as the story goes... Uh, they realized that the town, uh, that the fire apparently had somehow got into like a crack or a crevice and got underground into the coal mine and started setting fire to the anthracite coal that grows under the town. And essentially what this caused was it essentially caused, like what Vic said, a massive fire, <laughs> to, <laughs> a slow burning fire, like what you would see like in a wood fireplace or a coal like steam engine under the town and it has been burning since 1962 and supposedly it will continue to burn for another 250 years. yeah yeah it's still it's still burning to this day i was watching some videos um of some urban explorers that were going out there uh and they were talking to some of the locals and they could even see you could even see they would talk about like areas in the town where you can see in some of the chasms where you can see the cracks in the earth and it's still glowing either red or blue if it hit a methane pocket, which is terrifying that you could be literally out there in this town and seeing blue flames erupting from like what looks like hell itself. And Helen, you can even go there. There's nothing illegal about going there, but it might not be the best idea. The air quality is terrible. There's the worry of like the ground just collapsing and you falling into potentially flames. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of entirely rough terrain. And that even happened. It was in 1991. Um, it's probably one of the most famous stories, and really which which is what kicked off the town itself pretty much on its way to becoming a ghost town and people being forced to leave from there. In 1981, there was a 12-year-old kid named Todd Dabomsky, which is a fantastic last name. I wish my last name was Dabomsky. That's great. Uh, he was essentially uh, just in his backyard and then fell into a sinkhole. That was about four feet wide and 150 feet deep. Just opened up and almost swallowed and ate this kid. Uh, And his cousin, thankfully, who was there, was able to rescue him and reached down and grabbed him at the last moment. And when they pulled him up, literally, they looked like the kid was about to fall into, like, the depths of hell. Like, at the end of the Notre Dame movie where the bad guy falls into just the burning city of Paris. Looked like that's literally what this kid was about to fall into. And saved his life, and from then that really is what sparked. So it was, it was like fire, yeah, like fire hell, and like hellfire. Yes, so that he was about to fall into. Yeah, if anyone got what I just did, a uh, message. Oh, boo! <laughs> but that's what started. That's what started. Uh, that's what re- uh, really started everybody. There's real big push in the town uh, for either a like doing like either like somebody in the government taking it seriously and and dealing with it, uh, or people just deciding at that point that they wanted to move. It was interesting how many people, even after the land was appropriated, that just would not move. The town even had to come to kind of 
a discussion with them and come to a compromise. Yeah, yeah. It was because uh, it started in the 80s. There was a because that's when the government got involved. It was in the 80s. It was Governor Dick Thornburr. Uh, was the governor like was like I think it was like eighty three eighty seven uh, for the state of uh, Pennsylvania came to Centralia and literally told the people of the town spoke don't worry nobody's gonna make you move nobody's gonna make you move out of your homes no one's gonna be forced to make you to move and then the government in nineteen ninety made them <laughs> made them move like it was it we laughed but I know, I know it's tragic like, it's literally just four years later it was like the new governor Bob Casey after Dick. Thornburg literally came in and they and they declared imminent domain and kicked him out. And I'm like, it reminded me of the movie uh, Twenty Twelve when the it was the the main the main actor in that movie. He's the the one his wife his ex wife was like, no, everybody was telling you be calm, everything's okay. The guy's like, he's a government actor. <laughs> it's like when the government tells you not to panic, that's when you should panic. <laughs> and, and by 1992, that's when they t- uh, declared the this. The, uh, the federal government, or maybe it was the state, declared eminent domain in the town and started forcing people out. And I think as of today, there is maybe five people there. I've, I've heard 10 to 5 people still yeah. live there. Yeah, they came to an understanding that people that live on the land are allowed to stay. They don't own anything on the land. They don't even own their home. But they're allowed to stay there until they die. Yep, but then it just entirely turns over and no one can live there. Yeah, and then the, the, the state will just come in and just bulldoze your, and just bulldozes the house down. I know a lot of you guys might be asking, why didn't they just put out the fire? Well, they tried. They tried several times, and they tried uh, plugging everything with clay. They tried dousing it with water and flooding the areas. It's just nothing was really working, and eventually they did get in some experts. And when they got the bill for how much this plan, which they said maybe will work, they said they weren't certain. They just basically said this would just bankrupt everyone. This, yeah, this would be, this is, we can't really do this. Yeah, it was just cheaper to pay the people in the town to move. Yeah, yeah it was going to be like, they like to make people, to buy out all of the people in the town was going to cost like $42 million. And it was going to be like in the hundreds of millions in order for them to believe actually that they were going to do it. Yeah. And, and that was just for a try. Yeah. But also true, like initially, whenever it first started back in the day, one of the things that, that, that some of the people in the town even said was that the reason about why that efforts didn't work was because it was taking the government too long to come in to try to fix anything. So by the time that they were trying to do some of their methods, uh, it was months or weeks down the road from whenever they decided to do anything because, again, you know, by law, they had to get, like, contracting bids. So, say, like, you want to put sand and clay down there. Mm-hmm. Who's going to do that? you got to get a contractor. Well, most state laws write into it that you have to get so many bids and see which one's going to be the cheapest. And I don't know if any of that have ever worked for the state. I have. They move at the speed of snails. <laughs> like, they move slow. Which probably gave the, time, the fire time to establish itself. I've even yeah. heard that... Basically, in the lower reaches, the rock is basically burning. That's heated up enough that the rock is slag. I, I can't even imagine how hot that would have to be to melt I mean, rock. Truthfully, I'm not so sure if that's true, but I'm not very good at geology. So uh, maybe it's true, maybe it's not. Did, I, I'm just not certain. The, the, one of the strangest things that I that I saw about it was I thought that, like, that I found that was interesting about anthracite coal as compared to, say, like, other types of coal, like another type of coal is like a lot of, if you think of like, um, like topography, if you think of it, like when it's generally depicted, like in textbooks or whatever, yeah. it kind of looks like a, like a cat, like a, like a lasagna, like layers, 
Ryder a cake layers. But anthracite coal like is all over the place and it's like literally like it follows like the topography even so you'll get it where it'll like go down way deep up curve come around go upside down do all sorts of crazy ass crap so you can't even necessarily tell where it's burning or where it's gonna go it's one of the most terrifying things about that fire because sometimes they didn't even know where it might actually even end up end up yeah but Ooh. First, big big props to the people who are still trying to live there. But what's your thoughts on the town? Do you think that it's just a creepy place, or do you think it's paranormal? Because there's all sorts of rumors about it being paranormal. It's really common in paranormal discussions that people bring up Centralia, or Centralia, but it's rare that you'll ever be met with actual information on what that means. Well, I think that part of what could make it paranormal is we've talked a lot about how if there's a tragedy at a particular place that that like if there's some sort of tragic event then that can often cause paranormal activity to kind of fester or manifest itself mm-hmm. and if you think of centrally of what it is it's a coal mining plant right like it's a coal mining yeah. place and if you've ever seen what coal miners have like what it's like to be a coal miner it's not like what you see sometimes in cartoons or what you see even in movies where you know there's like lighting there's like you know they got like underground like lights and stuff that's like lighting your way sometimes all these dudes hat was had was like the equivalent of like a crappy flashlight that's on the top of their helmet so if that went out they were literally just screwed in the dark so this caused some terribly unsafe conditions for the people that were mining in centralia and i think then i saw there was a study that they did I talked about like if you look at like uh, the number of people that could die, like the stuff that could kill a miner, like a coal miner, gas explosions, dynamite, falling rocks, cave-ins, other miners. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was a rough, it was a rough uh, job, uh, you know. Then and the the number of people that died that were in coal mining, like was like say within the last like fifty years, was even more than the number of people who died in the Vietnam war. Damn. So, you know, there were, there was a times in which they were like in, in coal mines that you're seeing like a person a day dying. Even beyond the general like death aspect, there's also usually a lot of anxiety hanging over a coal mining mm-hmm. town. Mm-hmm. The anxiety of, am I going to survive work today? Is my husband going to come home? Is my dad going to come home? And then the other side of it, the economic issues that usually surround a coal mining town and the rampant sickness from things like black lung. Yeah. What happens if they shut it down? Yep. You know, so there's probably a lot of psychic energy there. You know, I, God, I can't even, I can't even, I can't even imagine. I, it it truthfully felt man, more people were even more, because I watched a, I watched a really cool documentary called like, it's like the town that, that was, I think it was from like 2007. And it was talking, it was interviewing so many people from the town. And they were talking about all the various problems that Centralia had in when it came to, like, you know, the fires burning under the town, cracks forming in the streets, methane gas. People in the town had to have methane, uh, had to have meth, uh, had to have carbon monoxide detectors in their homes. And they ran out of carbon monoxide detectors in the town and people had to share them. And it was getting so bad that whenever they would turn it on, it would immediately register as a lethal amount of carbon monoxide in the air. But still more people were more worried about 
being um, leaving the town and, and losing the town than the actual carbon monoxide well, problems. I, I get it. Like, I'm from a small town. You get a certain amount of small town pride, and it seems like even the smaller the town, the more it is. Like, uh, there was only about 300 people who actually lived in Hayden when I was growing up, and it's less now. But if you talk to the people there, they're like, hell yeah, Hay- Hayden's freaking awesome. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, people and people want to stay because, I mean, that's where their family, that's where their friends are, that's where their families lived forever, that's where they've gone to school, that's, I mean. Hell, I'm, I was selling the home in Hayden. Uh, as much as I love the place, I'm not going to move back there. And it wasn't even on the market for a week. Before somebody bought it up? Yep. Yeah. I mean, just so, I mean. I get it 100%. But you were talking about like, uh, like, is it haunted? Like, is it, is it, is it haunted? So I was talking about the miners and the reason why I was going into that, it was because there was this really cool story that I, that I found where somebody was talking about a time that they go out there. Cause ghost, ghost hunters would literally go out to this town like all the time. Um, and it was a, a lady named Ruth Ederson who said that she visited the town in the fall of 1998. And she and her friend swore that they saw a couple of people, walking out of the smoke who appeared to be wearing mining helmets and two figures walked up out of the large substance hall behind the graveyards there in the cemeteries and dematerialized like the smoke rising out of the same hole. I thought it was really cool. So people have reported seeing ghosts of miners whenever they've gone out there to investigate the town. Oh yeah. And I've heard some other stories along those lines, but before we get into the ghost part, there's something I wanted to bring up. Mm-hmm. Could they have dug too deep? <laughs> Like I mean, they yeah. summon Duran's band, like a Balrog. <laughs> I, I know we joke because the cultural reference that we get in our mind is Duran's bane from Lord of the Rings. The dwarves dug too deep and too greedily, and this Balrog came out. <laughs> but at the same time, that story is based on older myths, and that myth is not just located to one area. You can find versions of that myth in Europe. I know they're in the... Um, Middle East as well. Um, and I believe there are some in like modern folklore stories in America on it as well. Like could they have awoken some sort of fire being or fire demon within the bellies well, of it? And that's why the government intervened. Maybe, or I mean, we both have checked out Helliard. Remember the agent in there that was talking about how he used to be hired to go into these uh, deep mines and deep caves and basically try to kill these hives of things. Mm-hmm. Like, could it have been saying like maybe they dug down there and somehow awakened something deep in the earth or Maybe someone had gone down there, was trying to take out a hive of whatever these goblin things are, and ended up causing a fire. You know, I, I don't think. I, keep in mind, I don't think that these are things that are likely. I just feel like we should have the conversation instead of ignoring it. I mean, if you notice, one of the things that they still <laughs> did, even though even though they bulldoze all of the towns, like all of the buildings that are there, they still take the time to also close up the mines. Like, every single urban adventure that was out there that stumbled upon any sort of mind found it that it was sealed up. You know, and I thought that that was incredibly interesting that they were still taking the... Even though that they were taking control of the town, they were they were doing that. They were still taking the time to seal it, to seal and close the entrances to the caves. Or to the, to the mines, which I thought was interesting. And kind of along those same lines, and this kind of goes into the dug too deep thing, are you familiar with Hellmouths? Oh, like you talking about like Mel's Hole or no, like no, Hellmouths? Like what? Like okay. t- like these are really common in like medieval European and somewhat in Arab uh, mythology and artwork. But basically, there was this medieval belief 
that it was possible to dig into something or have this hole just supernaturally open up in the ground and it be a literal connection to hell. Oh, there's one in Russia that's like that. There's like, that's like always burning that's out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know the one. Yeah, I know what you're but talking about. But supposedly, like, if you look at uh, medieval apocalyptic literature, they're really common in it. And it's really common in medieval apocalyptic art as well, where they believe, like, demonic entities could literally come out of them. Well, I also am pretty sure that a lot of times they also might not have known exactly what the inside of the earth necessarily look like. Oh, I know. So, certainly if, true. Certainly if, true. If you hit a certain point like, where you just keep digging deep enough, yeah, it's going to start looking like the Renaissance version of hell. So I, I, I 100%, I 100% get that. And that's what I thought you would say. Because <laughs> I had something I wanted to throw on top of that. Like you fell into my trap card. Like You've from activated my you trap lured, card. No, lured, it's not a very good trap. You but lured it does, me into this. Okay. <laughs> it does, there was something along these lines I wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. Some people who have visited the area have talked about seeing creatures in the smoke. They only yep. really see them when it's heavily smoked. No one has ever, from what I've been able to find, gotten a clear picture of it. But I have noticed when it comes up, the word creature is always used. So I've got two things to reply to that with. One is uh, as, as an explanation, but also two is, is something that I found interesting. One it could quite possibly just be Paradolly where people are just seeing images in smoke. It's possible. But more interesting, did you notice that, like, uh, a very popular thing around Centralia is, like, the old section of, like, uh, Route 61, which is called, uh, like, the, it's part of the the road that's, like, broken up and you can't drive it down anymore, but it's called Graffiti, oh, yeah, Highway. graffiti Highway. Yeah, yeah, where people would, like, just draw all sorts of graffiti mm-hmm. uh, on that road, would draw depictions of creatures on there and i found it incredibly interesting that people would talk about that but every single photo that you ever see whenever it's shown anywhere else they never show any of those photos of people drawing them but people will talk about the well people will talk about drawing these tell you the truth i didn't know about this because when i was checking out the stuff on uh, graffiti highway Mm -hmm. i was just looking through the images and i thought that would give me a better sense of the artisticness and i had not never seen anything that looked like that. I read three articles of people talking about people drawing creatures and stuff on gra- on graffiti highway there in Centralia and but and I but every photo that I saw generally didn't depict anything like anything like that. It was all like the typical sort of graffiti that you see um around supernatural places. Uh you know, I was here, we were here, UFO stuff or whatever. Uh, and I thought that was really interesting that nobody would show any of any of nobody was was taking photos of these and it wasn't circulating around. Which That's I thought was really interesting. interesting. So do you think there's a form of censorship going on here, like someone trying to? They paved over it. Yes, yeah, I see. That's where it's going because <laughs> this highway isn't there anymore, and this is yeah. really kind of a crazy thing. They went out to a middle of nowhere in a abandoned town and paved over a road with all of that graffiti. With all that graffiti. But why? Why? Why do that? Why spend the tax money to do that? It's the, it's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, they didn't even they didn't even want to pay the money in order to be able to like fix any of the problems. But they would dedicate money to just pay, like just covering this area with dirt. I found that super weird. Yeah, and it's not like anyone's even driving on the road or anything. It's a very bad stated road, and they just kind of wanted to get rid of it. But my question is, why? Why do that? Why? Why care? Yeah, like like if they're if they're plan 
maybe their plan could have been like what what they want to do is return it back to nature. I don't know why you'd want to do that since it's going to burn for another god two two hundred year two hundred years. Yeah, about another. I don't two, think that that's the answer. Still, you know, we still got another two hundred years to go uh, before that this thing is even supposed to be burnt out. The only good answer that I can that I have seen is I've heard people argue it was because they didn't want it to be a draw. They didn't want it to be something that draws people out there, but there's a ton of oh, stuff out please. there already that draws people out there. Yeah, the people are going to be drawn out there just by the just it, to the area anyway. It's not going to stop people from going out there. But it's it's pretty strange. Now, do I think it's a hellmouth, a goblin conspiracy, or anything like that? Truthfully, I don't know, but I would say I think those are less likely. Mm-hmm. Like, but although I do hope it might be one of those. <laughs> <laughs> part, part, part of me is pulling for that, but I that's not what I think is actually happening. Did you did you believe the conspiracy that the the fight because everybody will talk about whatever any any time that I've ever seen people talk about um the the story of Centralia, they always talk about the the fire and it's always the same general story that's generally always accepted that it was it started as a dumpster oh, no, fire. I've heard a lot of other ones. No, 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 that's what I'm getting going to. That it started as a dumpster fire and then it spread to other places. But if you listen to the people that lived in the town, a lot of them talked about there being this conspiracy that the state was trying to get some sort of plot to gain the mineral rights for the coal there. Because right now it's still owned by the the the, the Bureau of Centralia, like that particular, yeah. like the municipality I think is what it is. Don't call me on that. But anyway, but it's not owned by the state of Pennsylvania yet until they all die. And a lot of the residents that still live there, and even a few that even are moving, said that it's... Uh, that this was all just taken. This was a plot by the state, essentially, to take it away from them. But and why they didn't get usable coal out of it? It's not like you can go mine this. Not yet. Yeah, but I feel like a lot of it's going to be exhausted. You don't know that. You don't necessarily know that. They, the people that live there, still claim that it's the 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 coal that and the stuff that's down there is still worth hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, perhaps. But I feel like there would have been easier ways to do this without damaging the property they're trying to get. All they had to do was pay $42 million and wait, and then they get hundreds of millions of dollars worth of coal, according to the townsfolk that live there, by the way. Perhaps. But I, I don't know. This one's just not jiving with me too I much. I think the government wouldn't play the long game in that. I mean, I think that's one of the things that they that they would do. I think that, they, I think that the state of Pennsylvania would play the long game for it. So you're thinking that they had orchestrated a fire? No, I don't think they necessarily started the fire. It could have been like how bad the fire actually was, okay, or how long, or how saying, long, or how long that it was going to burn for. I thought the conspiracy that you were saying was that they had started the fire so they could get yeah. the right to um, annex. The no, land. not to start, not to start the fire, okay, but okay. for how long that it was going to burn. Never mind. Then actually, yes, this is way more believable to me because the issue that I had was if they're planning on getting this, why orchestrate it through a means uh, that would also cause damage to it? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, if this was, like, an after-the-fact thing where they're like, oh, hey, we have a reason to snatch this up, yeah, I can see that. Uh, here's a good Here's a good one. Uh, have you seen any recent footage of any sort of fire burning or any sort of actual fire, like actual evidence of anything burning, other than smoke? No, I've, I've seen a lot of images of smoke coming out of the ground, and I saw um, one of those areas where you could see the glow from the cracks. But... Yeah, I haven't been out there. I can't confirm that it's just, actually there. You know, I'm just saying. That's the only reason I'm saying. Now, I'm just dumb food for thought. Do I actually still think it's burning? Probably. I, yeah, it, it makes sense. I mean, I still think that in the end, even if it was that way, they'd probably do the long game. But 
But you're talking about other what Mindstone okay, Mindstone of Fire. There's one of these things, and it's an oddity, but this story comes from the locals there. That there is a history of witch burnings in the area oh, yeah. that were persisting at the time. They cl- some of the locals had claimed that at the time of the fire, the town was still participating in some level in witch burnings. The 1860s? I mean, maybe. I mean, it would be it would be an isolated I mean, thing. Though. Yeah, I mean that would be some. I mean, I don't know. I don't. Man, I don't know if they'd still be doing that. I mean, I think that it, would, it be, would be an oddity, but this would be an outlier area. I know it's right. it wasn't a common thing at that time period, but people were claiming that that's something that was still going on there. Mm. Maybe they burned a witch, and that's what started the fire going. Well, it it would be hard to explain how burning a witch on the surface is going to do that. I, it's understandable with a large trash fire. But that is something that people talk about and vaguely hint at a connection. The other thing that I want to pair that witch with is an alternate story of where the fire started. Because mm-hmm. there are locals that had claimed that the fire did not start where they said that they were not doing a controlled burn that day. Mm-hmm. That what actually happened is there was something going on in the Oddfellow Cemetery. Some sort of ritual that involved a fire. And then that had spread and somehow ignited it. Now, maybe you can combine these two and maybe they were burning a witch. I don't know if this... I, I assume the Society of Oddfills are not openly witch burners, but the locals from the time period had claimed there was a connection between the two. I don't know if there's any actual, like, fire that's used in any of their known rituals that they used well, to do. Well, most of their rituals are done in lodges. Right. Um, I don't think they'd be doing a fire inside a building. I mean, also, I haven't seen a whole lot that would imply that the Society of Odd Fellows would, like, be some sort of sinister organization. Mm-hmm. But I'm just passing on the stories as they're told here. Mm-hmm. But people do claim that it did start in the cemetery. I would, I would truthfully more likely believe government negligence <laughs> than, than I would say probably a group of Respect to, well, no, sorry, just community members probably just getting together and starting a fire like but that. But still, you need to take in all the lore. No, 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 no. And see, see what might fit. No, well, no, no, Well, and where I, what I think might fit would just be flat out government negligence and they have, and them taking way too long to solve an actual problem. That makes sense. But, uh, but could it have started uh, due to a witch curse? That, that, <laughs> like, like something like from Hocus Pocus where they burned a witch and she was like, I'll make your whole town burn for the next 200 years. I don't know, maybe. I do. I, once again, do I think that happened? No. There's no real right. thing backing besides a few people saying that this was a thing. But it doesn't hurt us to examine the possibility. No, and truthfully, I mean, by the time, oh God, by the time the 1860s, man, that would make sense that if that was still going on, which, I mean, I would believe in some communities, I really truthfully would. You would have to keep that secret. That you wouldn't. I mean, that that's oh, yeah, not no, something that public w- that you would be doing. Yeah, you. It would not be something that people would applaud in that time period. They would mm-hmm. think that you were kind of nuts because this is during an enlightened age. Some sort of religious zeal that that sparked this doesn't really help that one of the last remaining buildings in the city is still is the, the church. church that's still there, which is actually privately owned. Yes, it is, and people still travel from uh, from from miles around and outside towns in order to go there. You know, a lot like when a lot like uh, uh, Mammoth Cave Church that's out there. People still drive out there from all over just to go to services there. So that would still make sense that people would be coming in and out town to do that. There's one more thing. I know we're starting to kind of get to the end of this, 
But there's something else I wanted to talk about along these lines. Sure. Have you heard about the voices? Yeah, like the disembodied voices that were there. If you get wrapped up in the smoke, Mm -hmm. you'll hear talking around you. And and sometimes it's unintelligible. You can't recognize the language. You can't recognize what's being said. Mm -hmm. But while you're within the smoke, you can hear them all around you. And then sometimes something will come through you can understand. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of them that I had found, it was things like go, leave, why did you come here? Things along those lines. Yeah, there was a, there's a story from a guy named Scott Saylor that talked about that. He went out to Centralia with some of his friends, and that's what happened. They got wrapped up in the smoke, and they were being told. They all heard, like, a voice on the smoke, a voice on the wind, whatever you want to say that it, that it might have been, like, leave this place, get out, why, why did you do that? And they would just hear these disembodied voices while they're out there. And I totally 100% believe that, uh, and you, know, and, you know, this is something that's interesting. I know that we're getting close on time because there have been times in which me and you have been on investigations mm-hmm. and like that time that we went out to Scales Lake and we yep. both heard a voice on the wind when we were out there at Scales Lake uh, in Boonville or no, Linville, Linville, either way, in Wark County. And we were out there and we heard, we heard the voice on the wind, yep. but the people that we were there with didn't hear the voice on the wind. But at that, we were standing near each other in a specific area, and they dude. weren't, like, right yeah, next but, to dude, us. Yeah, we were, like, at least 20 feet apart. Yeah, we were, we were at least 20 feet apart, though. But my point is, we we could hear it, they couldn't. But yes. we all got this foreboding sense. Yes. What if one of the reasons about why people can get these foreboding senses is, is they're not hearing some of these disembodied voices, but they can still feel the feelings, like... Oh, yeah, like like they're like I'll use the example they're on the other side of the veil screaming at yeah. us and perhaps two of a group of five will hear yeah. the screaming, but the thing is the people who didn't still get the sense that something is deeply wrong. Yeah, like or even sometimes people nobody could hear it, but everybody still gets that sense. Or perhaps they heard it as yeah. something like infrasound. Yeah. Yeah. There was a thing where people could feel the energy in the room. You know, like when you yeah. walk it's like when you walk in to like your parents or a group of people fighting and you can just sense the energy in the room that something is wrong. Something is off. Something is awkward. What if there is instances of that where things are trying to communicate to us? We might not be able to hear it, but we're still picking up the energy. Like the reason we're picking up this energy is because things are screaming or trying to talk to us from the other side, but we not, but we just can't hear it. It's a very weird thought. I want to know what was trying to talk to us that evening because it kind of seemed like it was coming out of the clouds and wind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like being yelled at by a storm. So it's it's one of those like, you know, um, you can hear it if you listen enough and things like that. That's just this feeling. Like I wonder when people are having sort of some of those foreboding feelings or some of those senses is that they can't they can't hear the what's being said. And to throw something on top of that, we were in more of a state of active viewing at the time. Because we were actually investigating an area out in the field. Yeah. The other people were just walking to catch up with us. I would say that we were in more of a actively perceiving state at the time. So maybe if the reason about what's going on in Centralia is people are going out. People that go to Centralia get this foreboding sense. It could be because things from beyond the river are trying, trying to say things or trying to communicate and they're just not hearing them. And maybe that's one of the reasons about why they're getting this foreboding sense. Let me throw out an opposing theory to all of this. Sure. Carbon monoxide poisoning? Like that. 
Like that's what's what's causing people to have this when they go out. Think, oh yeah, I, think, I wouldn't. I think oh it's yeah, important to at least bring up that this is a oh, possibility. Hundred yeah. percent. Like I, that one of the problems with going to Centralia is if you are being poisoned by carbon monoxide, you're not going to know. You yeah. won't. You will. You think you'll know, but you won't know. What will happen is, is you'll go out there when it's really late at night, and you'll just think you're tired because it's late when you're being poisoned by carbon monoxide. Like that's what happened. Like when I was watching that documentary, that was one of the things that was happening. Was this guy was uh this guy this lady's dad was sitting watching TV and he just thought he was getting tired, like that's he just thought he was just getting tired so he's like I'm just gonna doze off and fall asleep in front of the TV, he was being poisoned by carbon monoxide so that's one of the dangerous things about going out to Centralia, as you may think you're just being tired just because you're investigating or you've had to walk a lot and you could be being poisoned by carbon monoxide. That's why I kind of wish that some of these stories would include if they were wearing a mask or not. Oh yeah yeah yeah, uh, I. I don't know. I, I don't know if people would have hallucinations when they're on carbon monoxide or just, being, or just passing out. I that, think That just kind of hit me just right. now. So I didn't do my research on carbon monoxide poisoning. I didn't come in thinking this was something I was going to mm. bring up. But when I was thinking about like that idea when they're, when they're lost in the cloud, right? I'm like, that cloud would be carrying probably yeah, a cloud, higher cloud, amount of carbon monoxide. Cloud of what? You know, you're not necessarily, yeah. necessarily just seeing, it might not be like water. It could be something else that you may not mix in that you don't know. So just. Food for thought on food for thought on that. I'm just throwing that out as a possibility. I would. I personally have never investigated Centralia. I've always wanted to. Perhaps it's extremely haunted. Perhaps it's not. I truthfully don't think that it's as haunted as people hype it up to be. But that being said, I would love, 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 love to go there and investigate Centralia. Well, I, I think you know we've talked a lot about. I guess I mean I guess I got my final thought on Centralia. We've talked a lot about. Um, how important the feeling in an area is and how that can impact supernatural activity. Like things can be drawn to negative energy. And if you've ever lived in a small town, if you're from a small town, if you know, or if you don't understand how connected to their town, that small, that people from small towns are. Imagine a whole town realizing that it's about to end. Imagine that they're gonna they're they're not gonna be able to to stay in the place where they've lived their entire life, where their family has lived in forever. They're gonna lose their home. They're gonna lose connection to their friends. I mean, if you watch the documentary, you talk a lot about it, and you see that so much the de- the depression and the and the negative energy that that would put on a place to linger. Yeah, I just yeah. And people usually preoccupy about being buried in that town. Yeah, yeah. That was part of the that was in the documentary. Was the guy was talking? He said. The, the the joke from that the grave digger had said people may leave some Charlie but I always bring them back, you know, <laughs> yep. you know. So imagine the imagine the kind of energy that that could leave leave on a place. So but, good yeah. final thought. Yeah, I kind of already gave mine. Oh yeah, okay. That like so, I I want to go there, but I'm not sure if it's as good as the hype. But maybe I'll go there and find out it's more than the hype, and I'll be chased out by a demon coming out of a hell mouth. Yeah. Let us know what you guys think below. What do you guys think about Centralia? Is it haunted? Is it just a sad story? Do you think that there's anything about it? Um, what do you guys think about the fire that started? You know, the, the government claiming imminent domain and taking everybody's homes. Give some of your thoughts on that. Or goblins. Or goblins. Uh, you know, if you're listening somewhere where you can leave a like, please leave a like. Leave us a review. If you're listening on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell so you can stay up to date whenever we put out new content. Um, it's one of the some of the best ways that you guys can support the channel, support us, and show your support. But until next time, guys, keep believing. Because we'll keep listening.
All right, guys, we're going to slide into the Pillow Talk segment of this podcast. If you want to check out the rest of this awesome podcast, all you got to do is go over to our Patreon and sign up for as little as a dollar a month to get the rest of this awesome podcast, as well as bonus episodes that we put out exclusively for our patrons get access to one candle tv if you sign up for two dollars more a month you actually get access to our poll uh, that we put out every month where you guys get to vote on the theme for our content and our patrons have played a sick joke on me and decided to uh <laughs> most of them vote for giant winged bird monsters in the sky i'm very interested in this uh my number two greatest fear of my entire life i'm hoping we may even get to talk about tengu in it <laughs> You know, birds carried the black plague just as much as rats did, right? You know, they did anything that, right? they carried. Fleas did. That's what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying is people are blaming rats, but birds were just as much responsible. Either way, killing the cats was the wrong answer. Oh, uh, that 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 in blaming certain ethnic groups was probably also a bad idea. Yes. Too. <laughs> um. So um. So uh, you decided to uh, bring us some chocolates here to okay, try. Okay. What is this? You're, you didn't figure it out. Apparently, beer wasn't enough for you. You gave okay. me some sort of Reese's Pieces thing. I actually no, haven't Re- tried oh, these. Oh, it's Reese's peanut cutter. It's yeah, I haven't tried these. Ellie had picked these up, and I've been waiting to try them, like, for this. Are they coffee? Nope. Are you sure this isn't Ooh, coffee? this is good. It's not coffee. What is it? It is um, peanut brittle Reese's cup. That's coffee. It's not coffee. I'm pretty sure I know. I can taste it. No, it's coffee. It's Folgers. <laughs> what? That's Folgers flavor right there. Okay, Straight guys. Coffee get these. That. They're good. It's really good. Do you realize that, do you know the government has like a set acceptable standard of insects inside peanut butter that they put yes. out? I did not know that up until like this year. That there was just, they have this. Really? Like, Same I, with the orange juice and stuff like that. Yeah, they have an acceptable limit. Of bugs that can, and it's higher than what you'd think. It's in a lot of foods where like there's a certain ratio? amount that's considered acceptable. Oh god, I got how much butt? I believe that's true in meats as well. Oh god, that's so disgusting. Like in ground meats, or a lot in peanut butter. I'm, I'm googling. No, that. I, I'm going to tell you this. Don't research this. You will find things that you do not want to know. There is 30 insect fragments per 100 grams of yummy spreadable peanut butter. That amounts to approximately 238 fragments of bugs. Ricky, if you're listening, in an average yum, yum, of 28-ounce jars of peanut butter. Both me and Ricky Bruckman actually like eating insects from time to time. Like, you know, prepared insects like a, a food. Uh, that's it. I'm right, my congressman. That's that's unacceptable. <laughs> uh, I think they have bigger issues to worry about right now. No, they don't. They need to take care of bugs in my peanut butter. That's what they need to be doing. I pay tax money for that. Anyway. <laughs> okay, let's get into our topic for the patron segment. So, um, I thought for this segment, it was something that really stuck out to me uh, when I was researching Centralia was Graffiti Road. And I know that we've touched on this a little bit, and I don't know how much that we've fully gotten into, because I've brought this up from time to time, how super common it is for there to be graffiti in haunted places. I actually remember the first time I explained that to you. We were in Dogtown. Well, everybody just says that that country people, like country people have nothing better to do than spray paint stuff. And I don't believe that. <laughs> totally. That there's nothing better to do than spray painting a place that you think is haunted. 